Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines from Pat's Pulter, joined as always by Alex Barr from 98.5 thesportshub.com. And day six, I believe, they're all getting jumbled together here, but uh, the Patriots, after after their first padded practice yesterday, took the pads off today, back in shells, kind of dialed things back a little bit. They got into some full field seven on seven, some drive starters and 11 on 11 back into the, to the red zone to end practice. And that, that was pretty much it. It seems like we're ready for two, the two heaviest, most competitive days of the year on deck Wednesday, Thursday, before the in-stadium practice on Friday, which is usually pretty low key emphasis on, you know, kicking game operational stuff and along those lines. So Kind of setting us up for, for two really big heavy days here tomorrow, but anything you want to jump off to uh, lead us off today's practice? I, you know, I just think the offense keeps making progress. I think that's the most notable thing. There's, uh, it, it's, it's, again, I hate doing this because last year shouldn't be the bar, but they're further along than they were last year and almost feels like they're at a point where they should be. And the offense has been perfect, but given, the circumstances, and by that I mean the offensive line or lack thereof, I I think they're more or less where they should be at this point. So it's encouraging. They still need to get better. I don't think they're game ready, but it's nice to actually see. This is the first time you realize in like, I mean, really, you got to go back because they made offensive progress in 2021, but that year was unique because you had the camp, you had the thing with Mac and, and, and Cam Newton. 2020 COVID year, Cam comes in late. Jared Stidham was never the guy. So, I mean, this is really the first, like, normal camp they've had in five years. Wow. Yeah. Four years. Five years. So, it's it's almost kind of not, like, I, I was leaving it. I'm like, this is all very ho-hum. Like, we haven't had that dominant storyline yet. I know some people are trying to make it the quarterback competition. We'll get into that. But feels like a ho-hum camp. And I, I mean that in a good way. Like, it's normal. <laughs> to use Mac Jones' word, it feels normal. Yep. And, and offense, I think the big thing was they were probably their best session of the year in the red area today because they, we all know they, they hit that hard the first few days of camp and it wasn't always great down there. But I thought it was their best sequence today. Mac only got about four plays there, but he had, they had a really nice design, which is what you want to see from Bill O'Brien down there, kind of a slant flat. And Ramondre was wide open in the flat for a score. And then another to Hunter Henry to close out the session kind of just sat on the goal line like we saw him do a lot in 21 and kind of box out Jabril Peppers for a score. So I think that was kind of a positive to see that that red zone offense take a step. And and Hunter Henry looks like he's getting back to his 2021 ways there in the red zone. He's been a a go-to target for Mac down in that area. I I, I think the other important thing with Mac, and this was in the red zone and throughout the day today, you're seeing him start to kick some of those bad habits he developed last year in some that he developed sort of out of necessity. And you saw him, I I thought maybe the more telling period was that second uh, open, you know, more open field period there at what, like the 30 yard line, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but you know, he threw that deep ball to Kendrick Bourne and he had another deep over to one of the tight ends. I don't remember which one it was, but he had deep over to one of the tight ends. I was, 
trying to watch Taekwon Thornton a lot today, and we'll get into Taekwon Thornton. So I was a little behind on tracking if the it, ball at times. If it was the one that, that that's camp. If it was the one that Mac Wilson got, that was to Gasicki. That's where you were. No, he completed one. He completed oh. another one. It was back the other way. Uh, but I, Henry, I, I know what you're talking I think about. That one was Henry. Henry. And then he he had the other nice throw, Devontae Parker, too, that Parker went up and got. So it yeah, you're you're seeing him kind of break out in that sense. You're seeing the body language improve, all of that. So in it, it, as the as Mac Jones goes, the offense goes, or I should say the passing game goes. Like the offensive line is still a problem. There were numerous times today, both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi were throwing off the back foot. I, I, I know that happened at least twice with Mac. And I think it was like three or four times for Zappi. I know his numbers, like the training camp numbers, completion percentage didn't look good today. Talk about Zappi, but he, there were a lot of plays where he didn't have a chance. He did three or four off the back foot. Another one I thought very similar to a play Mac Jones made yesterday. Uh, blitz comes off the strong side. He hot routes, running back goes out in the flat. He throws into the blitz. And yesterday, Mac makes that read and the ball's dropped by Pierre Strong. Today, Bailey Zappi makes that read, ball's dropped by Kevin Harris. But uh, within the context of the offensive line, I think Mac's doing pretty much as much as you want him to. The way I look at it, I don't know that he's done anything amazing. Like there haven't been any wow moments, but there was one bad throw on day two. There haven't been really any glaring negatives either. He's just sort of been fine. And in theory, the way they're trying to build the team, and I don't know if this is going to work out in practice, but in theory, if he's fine, they should be, it should be good enough to keep them in games. I don't know that it's going to work out that way, but that kind of feels like the roster they're trying to build. But yeah, he's been... He, he's been fine, which is a lot more than you can say about him last year. Yeah. The one bad one you were alluding to there was the Marcus Jones one and, and seven on sevens. To- no, the, um, the, the, the Kyle Duggar. Oh yeah. He, he had, he underthrew one today too. All right. So he had, he had two glaring. I was talking about on day two. He had the, the oh, yeah, Kyle yeah. Duggar. But today but- he had one, one bad one in sevens where he was looking for Juju. I think Juju was coming across and Marcus Jones kind of dropped and, and Mac didn't even see him. He threw it kind of right to him. Juju got in. I think he also, he threw that ball late. Yeah. I don't know. Like he was trying to lead Juju, but Juju was already at the sideline. I don't know where he was trying to lead. Yeah. But um, Juju, I think that was a timing issue. Juju like was able to knock it down and Mac, you could tell like hands on his helmet. Just, it, it wasn't his best pass, but he knew it was a miss. Yeah. He, he knew yeah. it was a miss, but O-line continues. I mean, I had with Zappy, I think I had three coverage sacks and, and like two other sacks. I mean, one, just showing the depth, you had Josh Josh Uche aligned from uh, City So, which just isn't <laughs> isn't the uh, matchup anyone wants. And Uche got in the backfield probably within two seconds. It was it was pretty instant. So that O line, Cole Strange yeah. was out there early in his his jersey, but he watched warmups and then he left. So still, that looks like good news. It looks like they avoided something there. Trent Brown limited again today. Jason Hines. Wasn't out there, but then he was out there to sign autographs at the end. So it looks like they avoided something good, but it, it's still that O line because they were again Riley Reeve, Antonio Maffi, Connor McDermott in the huddle with Mac, Bill Murray back at right guard and on window. So that's as we've kind of said all spring, all summer here, that's going to be the one spot that could really undo this offense. It'll be interesting to see who's out there tomorrow because with full pads, you need those guys. Yep. You need those guys because the, the defensive line is really going to take over. You no, know, essentially down three starters. And Michael Nunn is coming back from that ankle surgery. I get Trent Brown, Doug Kide reported it's it's workload management, essentially, is why he's been limited. Tomorrow's the day I'd have him out there, certainly. 
and then we'll see what happens with Cole Strange. But yeah, the bodies are getting thin and, and you're seeing the impact of it. These quarterbacks haven't had a ton of time to throw all camp. And that's why maybe the numbers haven't looked as good as some people wanted. Did the, the context of it, like actually watching it, I test, I think Mac and, and Zappy have done a pretty good job based on what they're being given right now. But between the lack of separate, the lack of separation, and then really the offensive line stuff, there's only so much they can do at this point. And, and, and it's gotten better. That's the thing. Like I talk about the progress, like it's gotten better. I know that sounds sky is falling. It's not nearly as bad as last year. I think some of this, again, they'll get guys back on the offensive line. This isn't some, oh no, you know, they're totally screwed. I've I, I said my piece about the tackles, but they don't have either of their starting guards right now. That's going to get fixed. They're going to figure out a right tackle, whether it's Riley Reef or Connor McDermott. I think it's probably trending towards Connor McDermott, and he's a guy I think that will stabilize them on that right side. He'll be good enough. I don't know that he'll be good, but he'll be good enough uh, in certain circumstances. So it's no like sky is falling season thing. It's just right now they're having to build around some tough circumstances in terms of player availability. Yeah, kind of showing you how things could go south pretty quickly there. After. Right. This is it's it, it's funny. Like right away. <laughs> we're seeing what is the worst case scenario and it'll get better from here. And then it becomes, you know, hopefully we're not in October, November saying, Oh man, here we go. It's that group from camp. Remember that <laughs> that's kind of what's setting up here, but it's not, it's not going to be this bad. I've been as doom and gloom about the line. I think as anybody, it shouldn't be this bad, at least not to start the season, but you're getting an idea of just how quickly that depth falls off. Yeah. But I'd imagine Trent is back in, into the mix tomorrow and now that they had two kind of load management days and they put the pads on. So it'll be good to see him and get maybe a clearer picture on that right tackle job, even though I agree with you. I think McDermott kind of has that lead at that spot right now. Bill was asked about Calvin Anderson this morning, who we haven't seen from. He's on the non-football illness list. Didn't really sound should be expecting to see him anytime soon based off Bill's response there. So again, lose another layer of depth there, but that that's that's that, an interesting one. I this is like the worst case scenario because he's on non-football illness, yep. not non-football injury. And for me, especially at tackle, my mind always goes to Antonio Garcia, who the Patriots drafted with their top, I think it was their top pick or their second pick in, in 2017. It was the year they only had four picks. It was Dietrich Wise, Derek Rivers, Antonio Garcia, and ironically Connor McDermott, who left and came back. But Garcia just was never out on the field his rookie year. We didn't heard anything. And then we found out, I think it was a few years later, he had a blood clot in his lung. He lost like 60 pounds. He, he's now back. And he, I think he was playing either USFL or X, uh, uh, XFL this year. And he's been in a couple, you know, on a couple NFL practice squads since. That Again, that's the worst case scenario. But Calvin Anderson's a guy I think they were counting on. And the illness things are always tricky because if you lose weight and you lose muscle mass during an illness, you know, you get injured, like you break your leg, you can still work on your arms. You can work on the other leg. And there are certain things you can do to, to get that other leg strong. Once you recover it, it when you like it, when illness impacts your body, like you got to build the whole thing back up if it's something serious. So hopefully it's not for him. Certainly like just on a human level, you don't want a guy dealing with a serious illness like that. But there's also like, those can, can be as impactful as some of like what we consider like football injuries. So, uh, I hope everything's okay with him. But yeah, like you said, it sounded like for Bill, it's, it's going to be a little bit till we see him. Mm -hmm. And he was on that even for a tackle, right? Like just a tick over 300 pounds. So 
yeah. really relied on his. Yeah, he's more like a lighter yeah, athletic guy. Relied on his them. So, but again, he was a guy repping all left tackle in the spring without Trent, a guy we thought maybe could push for a starting job and there without him. You hope he's good, okay, obviously from a health perspective, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't seem like someone they might have to rely on here in the short-term future. So um, a few defensive performers I thought were really good today. Mac Wilson keeps having a really good, yeah. a really good camp together, which is kind of surprising considering he fell out of the rotation at the end of last year. But he had a few really nice plays and pass coverage today, working pretty high up next to Juwan Bentley on that second level. He almost had a really nice interception one hand, uh, undercutting a crosser to Mike Kosicki. He broke up another one along the goal line. With, I believe it was Zappy looking for Kayshawn Booty. So Mac Wilson making an early yep. impact, and Marte Mapu still working in that and third level at, at times too on along the defense. So an interesting thing on Mac Wilson coming into camp. I had I, 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 did you do a roster projection like after the spring? Yeah, I did one right before camp. So I, I don't know, like for you, but for me. One of the last spots, I think it was actually the last spot I did. I was at 54 players, and it was Mac Wilson or Anthony Jennings for that last spot. And there were a lot of linebacks. I know I was only going to keep one. But Anthony Jennings, like he hasn't had a super involved camp in terms of standout plays, but he's out there with the ones a lot. And that's kind of what happened last year. After two years of essentially not playing, everybody wrote him off. And he was just constantly out there repping with the ones. And it, he didn't stand out, but we were all just sort of like, he's out there. He's going to make the team. They're preparing like he's going to be a key part of the defense. And you're seeing that again with him this year. So Mac Wilson's making plays. Anthony Jennings is getting some really high quality reps. Like they're both that it's getting interesting. Now, you know, I'm working on my, my next Ross projection. It'll be up probably Saturday morning, maybe Sunday, depending on what happens the next few days. But now I'm starting to think, do I need to find a way to keep both of these guys? Because I don't want to cut Mac Wilson, but it looks very clearly like like Anthony Jennings isn't getting cut. Yeah, I was in that kind of same boat. I had Jennings, I had Wilson on because Raekwon McMillan got hurt, so I figured like Mac Wilson would be on it. But then I had Jennings; he was my last guy off, and I wasn't thrilled about it because he played like a third of the defensive snaps last year. Now you see him out there all the time, so. He's going to have a role. I'd be shocked. Obviously, long way to go, but early signs point to those two. And again, having a, a decent role early on out of the gate. Yeah. And then secondary, Jack kind of back up with the opposite Christian Gonzalez. Got his hands on another football. Miles Bryant got some good run up there too and, and had a pretty impressive day. He blew up his line of scrimmage. And then he had a really nice pass breakup on it was Anthony Ferkshire, I believe he was covering along the sidelines. So yeah. Kind of continue to rotate those corners in the back end and two guys, Jack Jones, Miles Bryan, making some good use of that time today on the field. People don't want to hear this, but Miles Bryant's having a good camp. Period. Like he's he's looked good. And I think part of that, I've said this in the past, he was playing out of position the last few years. He's not a like slot man corner. He's a, a nickelback. He's a safety, really, I think is what he is. And when the game's in front of him and he can read and react to it and come up and make a play rather than having to chase guys and follow guys, that's where his strength is. 
when he's the one dictating the motion, not somebody he's covering or one of his responsibilities. And you're starting to see him do that. And it, again, he's making plays. He's making plays here in camp. That's not to say I think he's going to jump anybody on the depth chart. I still think that top group is in, like you said, like it's been in a number of different variations. Christian Gonzalez, Jack Jones, Jonathan Jones. But we've seen Miles Bryant, Marcus Jones mix a good amount. And Marcus Jones has kind of been hit and miss this camp. Miles mm-hmm. Bryant's been really good. Again, I know people don't want to hear it. Some people are probably going to choose not to believe it. And we do have a long way to go. But Miles Bryant, sneaky good summer so far. It's when you keep him out of, if you don't have to let him rely on his athletic that's when he's successful, right? Like we all know. Just don't ask him to cover the. Just don't ask him to cover the other team's fastest yes. wide receiver. Like the. It's that simple. Like, if Miles Bryant was fast, he would have been a top one hundred pick. He would be, yeah. That is the one thing that's missing from his game, and well, it's a major thing. That's not. To, it's not to say it's nothing, but that's really it. He's just not fast. He can make plays in other ways, and there's ways to use players like that. They just haven't been doing it, and it's it's made him look like he he doesn't know what he's doing out there. Especially because he's a slot corner, and he's against the fast guys right. a lot. Like I know we all have that Isaiah McKenzie game burned in the back of our brain, but when you let him, you know, use his brain and use some of his other skills, he he is a really good player. So he he's going to be on the team. I know everyone knows to hear that, but uh, good good day from him. He's stacking some good days uh, on top of each other. But um, Matt Judon, Ramondre, then we said Trent was limited. Uh, good to see both of them kind of, you know, ramp it up here, especially Judon. So, dying up with that. Um, Chad Ryland handled all of the kicking duties again at the end of practice. Bryce Berenger was holding. I have for six, missing his last one a little wide left, or very wide left, actually, so... Uh, again, looks like Ryland is, is getting getting the first. So it, big news that he's taking all the kickoff kickoff the, yeah. the kickoff reps because that's a, that's a guy that's probably going to make the team. And, and, and Ryland had all the kickoff reps today, so I think that's important. <clears throat> As for the field goal, so he missed that last one way to the left. The one before that, yeah. I so you think he hit it? Like I couldn't tell it was close, but it was like really close to that right upright. Yeah. So. You come close to missing right, and then you miss way left. Ugh, that's the guy's overcompensating a little bit, and it's the last kick of the day. So that, that sucks. Now he's got to sleep on it. It's like hitting your tee shot on 18 into the woods, and you don't get a mulligan. But we'll we'll see how, if he comes out tomorrow and, and puts it out of his mind. But it's a good test because as good as kickers are, the best kickers, Adam and Terry, missed kicks from time to time. Can you have a short memory and go back out and perform? So this is a, a, a good test for him, I think. Yeah, kind of what you want to see early days of camp here. So we'll see. Yeah. Because he, he's the last two times they've done kicking drills. It's been – I don't know if they're resting Folk or they just want the rookie to go. They know what they have in Folk, obviously, at this point. But we'll see if, if he's next up again and back from that. But um, any – I know it was kind of a, a low-key practice, so any other thing you had there before we get into the, the roster move from today? That's that's pretty much it. Yep. All right, so one roster move. Jalen Hurd, a short stint with the team. Just the injuries, right? That's what it always comes back to. He couldn't finish yesterday's yeah. practice with the athletic trainer, so he was placed on the reserved retired list about an hour ago, and they claimed – is it Thyric? Is that how you say it? 
I think so. Byron Pitts from the Bears, uh, another wide receiver, UDFA, about six foot one. He ran a four 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 from Delaware, I believe. So one receiver yeah. down, kind of the same X body type back in with, with Thyric Pitts here. Yeah, it, it's that same thing. Big body guy, super athletic, absolutely crushed his pro day. I, I think he got um, a second pro day invite coming from Delaware, which is big, very productive season last year. This is kind of that guy though. Like these guys are all over the NFL elite athletes. Like he can run, right. He can run the straight line. He can jump. Can he run routes? Can he change direction? Is he, you know, is he stiff? Things like that. Can he catch the ball? Can he create after the catch? Uh, He's a guy that probably was playing uh, a little bit below his weight class at, at Delaware. I think he probably was an FBS kind of player, maybe a late bloomer. I don't know a ton about his background, but yeah, it's I, I I mean I look at him as a camp body. Jalen Hurd retires. All right, who's another big athletic wide receiver we can get to test these corners? And, and that's who Pitts is going to be. I don't think he's here to change the landscape of the wide receiver position or anything. He would have an incredibly long way to go for that. He already got cut from one camp, but it is another guy to watch, I guess. Were you surprised they didn't use that spot at offensive line, or do you think that kind of says? Trent's going to be back tomorrow with the pads, hopefully. Cole Strange isn't that serious. He might come back. So our depth is going to be better there. Or would you have rather them kind of bring in another lineman with that 90th spot? Well, remember what we saw in the spring and how fast the wide receiver depth evaporated. And when they signed Hurd, we kind of thought it was to fix that. So they may not, you know, you got to choose. Do you want to be super thin at receiver? Do you want to be super thin on the line? And they'll, They'll get guys back. They'll get Chase and Hines back. They'll get Cole Strange back. Jake Andrews came back today. So I'm not, I, I, I don't think that, it, I think they're counting on that internal, you know, group to sort of get them back into shape because the, the guys are going to sign or not. The real quite the real issues with top of the depth chart, not as much the bottom. They felt they needed another body wide receiver this, this spring. We all knew that. Heard was that guy. If there's going to be a position, I would like to see them at a running back. I think yeah. I'm on the record with that, but. Um, no, I, I think they're counting on their own guys coming back to, to, to fix the offensive line situation to the extent it can be fixed right now. As much as it can be. So um, right. that was pretty much, again, low-key practice, expect things to ramp back, ramp back up the next two days before that in-stadium. That was the roster move. So uh, kind of a, a breaking point here. So we're going to get into some Q&A. So if you guys want to start putting some questions in the chat, while we hear from our good pals over at FanDuel. All right. Let's get into some questions here. Uh, first question. I don't know if it's too early uh, for this to be seen, but is the team's lack of separation completely on pass catchers or is it lack of time due to protection? Yes. Yeah. Like all of it. It's, it's all of it. It's, it's been uh, a lot. I don't yeah. know if you feel differently, Brian, but I think it's a combination of the two. It's pretty much every And, and, Early the early days working in that that red zone area that was another thing kind of stacked up against them so it, it, it was pretty much all of that mixed together. Uh, somebody asked how long till the rookies get their real numbers. I've actually seen this question quite a bit and felt bad we didn't get to it. Uh, that should be the day. It's usually the day of the first preseason game. I think once or twice they've done it the day before. That's usually an off day from practice, but 
So actually, what's today? Tuesday? A week? Uh, a week and two days. Call it night. We're within ten days of, of the rookies getting the real numbers. You got any guesses besides the obvious? Christian Gonzalez zero. I haven't really looked through it much, honestly. I'm just hoping if we get Zeke, he gets 15. That's my only jersey number prediction. Oh, because he wore that at Ohio yeah. State. <laughs> That'd be cool. That uh, no, yeah, that Corliss Waitman has it. Yeah. Until Bryce Barringer takes over. That is right. Another, he was really good yesterday. You see, Mike already had him as his number one yeah. player of camp. I don't think he's wrong. I just, no. when the, you know, the, the establishment guys are starting to, starting to pick up on it, that's when you know it's real. Tom Curran was uh, oohing and on over him the other day. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guys who've, who've been on the beat, the, re, the whole reason I do the punt thing is because when I start on the beat, I'm like, all these guys got the rest of it covered. I got to do something else that people aren't talking about to get noticed. That's where the hang times come from. Now, well, even all those guys are on the punter. That's when you know it's the real deal. Really interesting comment here. Not a question, but I do want to touch on this. Patriot George Pickens over Tyquan Thornton. I and I know I'm going to sound like a homer for this. I'm, hear me out. I'm actually okay with this. You only have the information you have at the time when you make the pick. And the reality is George Pickens was coming off of two significant knee injuries and a couple of disciplinary issues. And for a team that has struck out as much as they have at wide receiver – taking a chance on a guy that a major risk, like high reward, but major risk. I actually don't mind them passing on Pickens at the time. The other thing is the Steelers are the Steelers. This is what they do. They churn out wide receivers. Would Pickens be as successful in New England? I don't know. The, the bigger second guesses for me from that draft are, I mean, if in the first round, if they go Christian Watson, right? And then go guard later instead of Cole Strange. Also, do you trade up a little higher? Do you go get John Mechie and, we, we've since learned, right, he had cancer. He didn't play his rookie year. But again, you can only go with the information he had at the time. Um, those are the two. And he, even a guy like uh, like Sky Moore, who went a, a few picks later as well, knowing J J Jacoby Myers in the last year of his deal, I think Sky Moore. I know he's struggling in Kansas City, but as I said, Pickens in yeah. Pittsburgh, it worked out. Would he have had as much success in New England? I actually think Sky Moore is a guy that probably would have been a little better here than in Kansas City because it's much better fit for his skill set, their traditional offense. So I know I'm in the minority on that. I think there's a lot you can second guess from last year's draft, especially when it comes to the wide receiver position. I'm okay. They passed on Pickens. Massive risk. Again, high risk, high reward player, but massive risk. I was okay with them not taking that much of a risk in that spot. That doesn't mean Thornton was the right pick. They did overdraft him. There were other guys that could have taken, but if you want to hold something against him from that draft, like in terms of the misses, George Pickens is, really isn't that high on my list. I thought he was taken about where he should have been taken. I thought he went to a really good spot. It, it, that ha Sometimes you just got to tip your cap. Steelers are good at developing wide receivers. They made the guy that was high risk work out. It's what they do. Patriots have done the corner in the past. Nobody wanted to touch JC Jackson because of issues he had in college. They turned him into a player. Nobody wanted to touch Malcolm Butler. They turned him into a player. I... Jonathan Jones, like, this is just what they do. They do it at certain positions. They do it at corner. Steelers do it at receiver. Maybe you feel differently. I know a lot. I, I'm definitely in the minority on this take, but um, I, I don't fault them for this one. I really don't. Did you see his catch today at practice? I'm guessing that yeah. was what triggered this comment. Yeah. I, 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 people are saying it's the best catch they've ever seen. Oh, Justin yeah. Jefferson made that catch in a game yeah. this year. Not taking anything away from Pickens. It's a wildly impressive catch, but... Also, he's been owning Joey Porter Jr. Like all of these highlights that have come out of Steelers camp of him. And look, he's been good. I'm not saying he hasn't been good. Uh, they all seem to be against Joey Porter Jr. 
So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the character concerns are kind of the, the big thing there coming out. But I think the knee was a big part that, of it too. That, I think, that I think, too. But yeah, I think there, there were shades of Malcolm Mitchell for them. Yeah. I think they had some Malcolm Mitchell flashbacks. If you want to, if you want to question something there, I, I would say it's, Go Christian Watson or John Mechie like first, and then go guard. That would right. probably been the the best way to kind of you know knock those two picks out. But yeah, those, those Taekwon and George Pickens will always be tied together. Anything on uh, Kayshawn Buda today? Not really. Quiet day for him. He's had a couple good days the previous two, but uh, wasn't wasn't as big a day for him today. Yep. Um. This is not how anything works. Zappy leads TD count over Mac. Longer pass connects as well. Uh, hasn't completed really longer passes. They've kind of all been working in the red zone. It's all been congested. And the touchdown count's probably about the same. Maybe Zappy is one or two more, but the twos have also repped more than the ones. So Andy's going against the second and third string defense. So that's not how anything works. The Zappy people kind of clinging to straws at this point. Here, I just said Phil Perry on my podcast, Sports Sub Patriots podcast. You can check it out right now, 98.5 The Sports Sub, the Sports Sub YouTube page. And I, I had a really interesting conversation with Phil, and I was glad I was able to ask him this question. Independent of a quarterback competition, how has Zappy been? Because it feels like we've just talked about him in connection to Mac. And he, Zappy, in his own right, has had an interesting camp. There's been ups and downs. I think there's times where he's looked much more confident in the pocket, but he's also had some really bad misses. And that itself is kind of fascinating. It does feel like he's he's pushing a little bit and, it, you know, just pushing himself, overextending himself. Some people may consider that good. Some people may consider that bad. Uh, I wish we could talk about that independent of Mac Jones, but I guess we can't do that because people freak out. Yeah. he. I think he started – his start wasn't great, and then he had that really good Sunday practice, and then he's been yeah. he's kind of had his confidence and his rhythm back the last few days. But yeah, the don't I don't like to pay too much attention to the the stats throughout these early days, especially the touchdown count. So, uh, where do we see uh, the team after six days of camp? How do we see him this season? Can they be a sleeper contender? Based on great defense, solid offense. The defense is going to be as advertised. Yep. Offense still is a way to go. The defense has been as advertised, though, and like key pieces, Christian Gonzalez, as advertised. I think the the new plan at safety without Devin McCourty, as advertised. I like the plan they have going. You're starting to see Kyle Duggar, Jabril Peppers really make plays. That's exciting. I don't know that they're a contender status, though, because the offense isn't there yet. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go contender. Not. I mean, Sports Illustrated, I don't know if you saw that. They had their 12. Uh, Super Bowl contenders and the Patriots are 12. I don't know if I'm in that boat yet, but uh, I keep just saying I like their over seven and a half wins. Go go look at that on FanDuel if you're interested. Let's, uh, what else do we got here? Realistic season for Pop Douglas, way too early to tell. I he, He's going to be here. He's going to be here and he's making a really good push to a roster spot. Is he going to be on the back end of the roster? Can he push Tyquan Thornton for that speed receiver role? Like we've got a long way to go for that. Um, here's an interesting comment, and this kind of goes to what I was talking about with Pickens. Quentin Johnson out of TCU having a great camp for the Chargers. Many said in here he wasn't a Patriots fit. He wasn't. He wasn't. He's still not. The Chargers offense is completely different than the Patriots offense. He would not be having the camp he's having with the Chargers here. It just wouldn't be happening. He'd be doing what Devontae Parker is doing, basically. I thought he had like four drops in practice the other day. Yeah, he's also had a lot of drops. Yeah. He he's had some highlight catches, yeah. but um 
Yeah, not a they didn't not a they didn't need an X another X with Parker, and they just haven't developed that skill set. So I I, I wasn't a big fan on, on Johnson in the draft there. I saw this question on Twitter today. I'll answer it here. Should the Patriots try to lure Sony Michelle out of retirement to make him that last running back? He's still under contract with the Rams. He didn't retire as a free agent, so you'd have to trade for him. They don't need to trade for Sony Michelle. If, especially from the Rams trade back for Sony Michelle, essentially is what it would be. Go sign Zeke Elliott at that point. He's better and you don't have to give up. Like it's just money. You don't have to give up anything of, of substance for him. This is a good uh, Jersey prediction. If Chad Ryland wins and Nick Folk gone, Keon white back in six. But okay. So this is what, if you're going to get one of these rookie jerseys this is important to remember, they're going to get their numbers before the first preseason yeah. game. Nick Falk's not getting cut between now and then, even if he's not making the team. He's not getting cut between now and then. So sometimes guys will get their rookie number, and then after final roster cuts, they'll change it again. Remember, Christian Barmore was number 70, his uh, his rookie preseason, then switch. I forget who was 90. Adam Butler? Um, was that Butler? No, because he didn't get cut. He left as a free agent. That wasn't the Terrence Knighton year. Um, I have to look this up. Oh, was it? No, it wasn't Henry Anderson. It was like a veteran defensive tackle that we all thought was going to make the team and then didn't make the team. Um, hmm. Let's see here. Adam Butler had left. Let's see, Carl Davis made the team. Oh, here we go. Signings. Oh, uh, Montrevious Adams. Okay. Yep. He was 90. Montrevious. Yeah. And then he obviously <clears throat> didn't, didn't make the roster. So um, be careful getting those jerseys. Be careful getting those jerseys. Um, what else do we got here? How many other teams uh, besides San Francisco have better defenses? Uh, I don't think Dallas does, honestly. I think they got a better front, but we'll see where Steph Gilmore's at. I, I don't. I think Trayvon Diggs is is over one of the more overrated players in the league, honestly. I'd agree. I, I all hit and miss. Um, San Francisco has a better defense for sure. The con. I'm trying to think of the other NFC teams. The context I've been looking at it in is one of three teams. The AFC is going to have the best defense: Patriots, Steelers, or Jets. And after that, it's a steep drop off to the next group. So the Patriots will have a top three defense in the, uh, in the AFC. I believe that. And then, yeah, some of those NFC teams are, are just stacked. Yep. Um, this is a good question. Is Gesicki fitting into the offense? So there are not enough targets to go around. I, I'm a little concerned about him because they've been doing so much red zone stuff. He should be popping. He is a red zone guy. I don't know that it's, he's not fitting into the offense. I think it could be a number of things. One place my brain goes to is he's new and he hasn't worked a ton with Mac, whereas Hunter Henry's been here and that's kind of been Mac's guy. And maybe he's still building that chemistry, but he is a guy that, that probably should be doing more than he is at this point. Yeah. Fit. He did get some run as like the lone tight end on the field a little bit today, which I think was the first time we've seen that. Uh, for the most part, like outside of the red zone, so that that that's interesting usage wise. But yeah, you, that these are practices, especially these non-padded ones. You'd like to see a little bit more out of them, especially in that red area. So something definitely to monitor as we go forward. Uh, what else do we got here? Um, this is a good one. Some stuff. About, all right. Yeah, get his cleats, get his cleats over to the hall. Uh, Bryce Beringer after his practice the other day. Um, 
what if he has a 15 year career and then he's got to wait five years for the hall of fame will be yeah. 2043 class <laughs> um let's see what else what else do we got um i think that now it's just people arguing about mike giardi <laughs> um so, all right, back to what we were saying before about Quentin Johnston and, and you know, he's not – he wouldn't fit in the Patriots' offense. But this is the problem. The Patriots' whole offense, like their whole concept of jump ball is just run and go. They don't have anything to counter it, and it becomes very predictable and very easy to defend. Like, yes, Parker's doing well right now in the non-padded practices. We saw him do that uh, last year, and it, it sort of translated, not really. Do you remember Nikhil Harry used to own non-padded training camp practices? No. There was that year he was like, he was dominating. Like, he was mossing guys two or three. And this wasn't his rookie year before he got hurt. I, this was, I think his last year here. I think it he was had a really 20, good, he had a 21. Really good camp. Like, that and then it, he had a really good start to camp. And then it, we realized two things. One, yeah. all his great days were non-padded practices. And two, most of it was against Juwan Williams. So it's, yeah, I, we we don't and no i don't I, I would love parker to play like the chargers jump ball guys because they're more than just jump ball guys they can do a lot of things <clears throat> he can't do that and that's the difference and with johnston with his skill set he's going to play well off those other wide receivers and play well off the scheme that prioritizes the deep part of the field the patriots don't have the players nor the scheme that does that so i don't yeah i i don't think uh it, it just it, it different kind of player wouldn't work here what else do we got? Uh, this one. Uh, how is Mapu doing? He's been pretty involved. It, it looks like with the regulars, he's second level, and then he comes up with the scout team, and they move back to the third level. But same thing, that versatility showing. He was in the backfield a few times for what if it was full pads, and if he wasn't in a red non-contact jersey, looked like he would have had a few run stuffs today. So still just encouraging stuff from Mapu, in, in my opinion there. Yeah, they're still keeping him super involved um, with with everything. And he's playing with all three units, first, second, third. And I think that's just an, an indication of they're putting a lot on his wow. plate. Yeah. A lot on his plate. And and they want him, you know, all right, first team, you know, we want you to get reps at linebacker. So you're going to do that for the first team. We want you to get reps at safety. You're going to do that the second team. We want you to get reps at slot corner. You're going to do that with third. And like rotating, but like that way he, he he's, he's essentially playing like two or three positions. And the only way to do that is to rep him a lot so he can get reps at all of them. Uh, 24 should go to Christian Gonzalez. Josh Bledsoe has it. He got a pick today. So I don't think he's letting go of that anytime. Soon. Zero. As cool as it would be. And yeah, it's going to be zero. Let's be honest. It's going to be zero. This is an interesting one. I saw this today. Raiders cut OJ Howard. Patriots, it does. It's starting to like, they're doing a lot of 13 stuff. Now, I think they kind of like Matt Sokol, but any interest in OJ Howard if the Patriots are going to get serious about a TE3? I actually didn't see that, but yeah, what they have there has been serviceable and maybe even a little a notch above serviceable so far. Matt Sokol has been kind of surprising to start here. So uh, Johnny Lumpkin's still been involved a little, and we'll see Anthony Furcher, how, how he develops, and who's the last guy. There's a sixth one in there, isn't there, or a fifth one? Lumpkin, Furcher, Sokol. Henry Gasicki. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, 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 Scotty Washington. Scotty Washington. He was who was a little limited today. It looked like he was banged up yesterday. But yeah, I think Sokol's been one of the surprises. 
surprises so far, so I don't know if they really go out and bring another guy into that battle. All right, well, we got to wrap it up here. That's and thanks for the questions, guys. I think we're gonna we'll, we'll do another Q and A soon, yeah. uh, probably after the, the in stadium practice because we'll do like ten minutes on special teams and and that'll be that. But we do have to mix in a boss of sports minute because as we were doing this, the uh, MLB trade deadline was going on, and the Red Sox did nothing, <laughs> nothing. And on one hand, like that's almost an improvement over Bloom's deadline last year. And I kind of want to give him a pat on the back, but on the other hand, come on, you had Raphael Devers, the guy who just paid begging you to help this team. And unless I missed something that came in really late and I mean, which if I did put it in the chat, but yeah, nothing, nothing for the Red Sox. That's disappointing. Yeah. It, I would have liked to see them add an arm, like a front end arm there. They, they looked like they didn't need a starter. And I know we're going to get the – we're getting the injured players back. They're going to be our deadline acquisitions. But it, it does make a little more sense this year. I mean, you got four or three, four guys who, who – I mean, Chris Sale, whatever you want to call it, right? But Trevor Story, Tanner Howe, Reese McGuire, Chris Sale. Yeah, but, but they, they – uh, sorry to cut you off. I, I don't want to hear that from them. I know. I don't I – this is I don't big. like to hear that, but it's most a little more logical this year. But I still would have liked another no, no, starter. No, it's not. But it's but it, but it's not Brian because you have a shortstop who's coming off major elbow surgery. You have a starting pitcher who hasn't been healthy in four years. You have two more starting pitchers who haven't been healthy for the majority of their careers. Reese McGuire's fine, like he's your backup catcher. Great. I just I'm I, I I'm this is this is honestly pre Bloom, so this is not an anti high and Bloom rant. They've been doing this since Nebraska. I yes. think they were doing it under Charrington. Yes. I I hate, hate, hate our injured players or our deadline acquisitions, especially a team like the Red Sox that was built as kind of a, we'll see where we're at and then maybe add at the deadline. Because even if all those guys were healthy all season, they probably need a deadline help. So it's just, it's, it's, it's very, like, I finally got in on this team. I was finally like investing this team and ready. And I was believing in them because I thought they would give them some help at the deadline. But now we're going to, there's going to be a wild card game and they're going to probably be using an opener because they're going to have to burn their starters the last week of the season to get in. So I, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, you couldn't go find an arm, a starting pitcher, go get somebody with a four, two ERA to just come in and be your fifth starter. So you can move sale and Whitlock and Hauk to the bullpen, which they've completely burnt out here in the last couple of weeks. That was all they needed to do. And then trade Adam Duvall and then trade Adam Duvall. So Jaron Duran can get in the lineup every day. Two moves is all he's asking for two very easy moves. You probably could have done them in one. And like high on bloom asleep at the wheel. What are you doing? It's another, I do think people are maybe a little harder on high on bloom than they should be. Because I, I think on one hand he's operating at behest of ownership. But at the other hand, his deadlines have been brutal, almost exclusively. Last year was bad. This year is bad. He got Schwarber. I know people give him credit for Schwarber in 21, but like they got a hurt player who they were playing out of position. It worked out, but I almost feel like that was luck. I don't think that should have worked out. I think he just got lucky. Kyle Schwarber's a dog. So, yeah, disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah. I'm a... I'm a Bloom guy, but the deadlines are his biggest issues at, at where he's been throughout his Red Sox time here. But it, it did sound 
like a really tough buyer's market. I, yeah, just if you could have got one more starter. I don't care. Get it done. Yeah, so if you could have just got one more starter so you didn't have to rely on sale and then maybe one of Whitlock or how could go ahead and help there, that, that would have really put you in a good spot here. And just send that message to your team like, hey, we're going for this, right? We believe in you guys, the big thing. So kind of well, kind even of beyond that send the message that you hear them part of the problem last year remember what the deadline was bloom traded away a core locker room player in in christian vasquez and then did the zoom conference during he wasn't in houston to talk to him and then did the zoom conference during the game and that rubbed players the wrong way now you have guys in this locker room begging you to make a move and you don't Ian Bloom has made it clear once again. He doesn't care about the players. They are list items in a spreadsheet to him. Just like it, this is the case with all the other nerds. He's not alone in this. And it's, I, I in theory, it all works, the math. But it, it's days like today that there's a human element in sports you have to address that they're just refusing to address. Is Do you know Talking Jake on Twitter with John Boy? By any chance? I know what John Boy is. It's a... Uh, John, yeah. So they just—he just said they got Luis Urias at the buzzer from Milwaukee for a pitching prospect. Not sure if that how legit that is here. I, don't, I haven't seen anyone else report it, like a passing or anyone. But all right, so that uh, that might have all been for nothing. Uh, <laughs> Chris Chris uh, Cotillo, Mass Live, who's like the yeah. go-to guy for Red Sox, did just say that. Um, Oh yeah. All right. Jeff Passon just had it. All okay. right. <laughs> oh, it's good now. <laughs> Run the tape back. I actually like Urias too. He's not like yeah. he's an infielder. I, I I don't know that he's their biggest need, but um I, I how many times did I yell, get a real shortstop? <laughs> get a real shortstop. And he's a guy that, that can do that. So all right. I, I'm still a little annoyed they didn't get a starting pitcher. Uh so uh, part of the rant holds, but at least they did something. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. You know, as, as Melker and Maz say, we got a show to do today. We had to get this thing wrapped up. So I had to give my take. Yeah. That was just the reality of it. The takes never stop. Takes never stop. That's right. So um, I guess that's pretty much all we got from today. But uh should be back on tomorrow. Hopefully Thursday, too, as we get some, some competition really picking up here down in Foxborough. We'll be back to recap it all, as always, right here at the Patriots Beat. So turn on those Patriots press pass notifications so you do know when we go live. But until then, follow Alex over on Alex Barth. Go read all his training camp coverage over at 985thesportsub.com. Follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my training camp coverage over at patspulpit.com. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you guys tomorrow.